Okay, uh, Alpha fans, welcome to the Alpha's Next Podcast, and I have a breaking news. As I say, uh, as one of our little slogans on this show is, uh, such as it is, I watch the NBC all day so you don't have to, and there are two important developments. Three. One is that, you know, markets in crisis is the absolute... Uh, leading indicator of volatility in the market, negative volatility. So tonight, I think, is the first night that there haven't been enough horrible things happening, at least in the market, to merit uh, markets in crisis, which, of course, is a real good revenue opportunity for CNBC to sell some ads. It's been getting boring. You know, lately they just had one restaurant owner after another telling uh his or her tale of woe about the restaurants dying and they open it up and now they got to close it again and all that. So, uh, you know, that gets pretty stale. And uh, the other thing is the, you know, BLM thing, and that's getting pretty redundant. So it's off. They don't, now they got Shark Tank on. Now here's the second breaking news story. But that, that is a good sign for the market because, you know, the VIX went under 30 today which indicates that volatility is lower, uh, and markets in crisis is canceled for the moment. So the next time you see markets in crisis on, on, on CNBC, you know things are back in the ditch. Uh, and now, uh, Shark Tank, I don't watch Shark Tank because it's hard to watch because they bring in all these startups and it's like the gong show kind of sometimes, you know, and I don't like to watch people suffer and get uh, and be made fools of because I I can relate to all that I I suffer a lot and I get made a fool of very often so <laughs> I, it, it's too close to home you know but uh, they have Charles Barkley on Sir Charles who's hilarious you know and there's no basketball going on right so Sir Charles got himself a gig on on Shark Tank and that is that is uh, you know, some fresh uh, blood for the show, and that should be hilarious. There, there are two things that are hilarious about Charles Barkley. He's good on the basketball broadcast, but I don't, you know, I'm not a big basketball guy. Uh, and then uh, he, it's, it's hilarious to try to watch him play golf. He's actually worse than me, but he keeps playing the game, you know. At least I gave it up for seven years. And, uh, but now third, I can watch him now on, uh, on Shark Tank and I get the sound off because, you know, I'm doing this, but I think that's, that makes Shark Tank a, a watchable show now just to see how Charles <laughs> fits in with all, like this Mr. Wonderful guy, Kevin O'Leary and, um, uh, Mark Cuban and, uh, there's a woman on there who's actually Chicago. Uh, my wife goes to her hair salon, which is, tells you all you need to know about why I'm still working. So, uh, anyway, that, those are three. And oh, the third development is Guy Adami, who is a funny guy on Fast Money. I've met him, actually, personally. And I went to this uh, thing that I think the Nigerian brothers put it on. It's like a day trader investor. You know, you see all these squirrely people who sit in their basement like me and try to trade to make money. And you look around and you're kind of like, eh, this is my peer group. 
don't know if this is going to work out. But uh, in any event, I I went to this thing, and the Nigerians were on. A lot of the talking heads on CNBC were there in person, and they swear like troopers. You know, it's like the markets are famous for, you know, what they call BSDs, and those of you who are familiar with market terminology know what that is. I don't want to offend anybody, but the, the first first word is big. And the second word is swinging, so you can fill in the third word. And uh, so these guys are known to be foul-mouthed characters. And they swear like troopers at the, at the live shows. And what I was impressed with is that they're able to exercise, you know, self-restraint when they're on TV. Because you still can't swear on cable news. At least not business cable news. So, uh, but I met guy, he's a funny guy. And he's funny on the show, and now he's got his own uh, Pinterest account. So I'm now following him on Pinterest, which is a social medium, which is basically like just pictures. So I normally don't spend any time there because I'm a visual illiterate. So anyway, those are three things that were, were really interesting and somewhat, at least to me, amusing that I saw on CNBC today. And let me tell you what else I saw, which may be more along the theme. This is not a comedy podcast, thank God. Because what little following I have now would be even less if I was trying to position this as amusing. So let's get to the boring, nitty-gritty. Well, it's not boring, really, because, you know, it's just not... I'm not going to get a lot of laughs out of it. Uh, let's see. Saw something today that was worth noting. And I'm just trying to read it. I recorded it. I didn't record it. I used my, uh, my whiz-bang uh, Microsoft Word dictation service so uh, what it, it does a fairly good job of taking I mean this would have been great in college you know because you could just turn it on and you would take notes that you would then have to try to you know make sense out of and that would be a learning experience in and of itself I have a feeling and but I'm reading this particular one and it is not doing that great a job um, so I can't make heads or tails out of this, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> well, that was the only thing I thought was worth listening to, and you're not going to be able to, uh... Oh! Well, here's something. Uh, there's a, there's a pony in here somewhere. Uh, Twitter is putting together a... Uh, subscription service. I think they call it Griffin. And I think what it is is not necessarily that you're going to pay a fee to be on Twitter, but it's going to be some kind of data feed. And that actually has some uses. I'm working with a startup, which I'm going to introduce to you today. And this isn't even an angel opportunity. You know, angel opportunities are high risk. This is crowdfunding. So that's that's one one step downstairs from uh, angel investing and seed. It's once that the way this works is the first thing you do when you want to start a company is you go to your own bank account and try to self fund it for a while. Maybe you use credit cards, and then 
or maybe before you do that, you go to friends and family and say, hey, I got a startup, I got a dream, I got a vision, I need some money. And your brother gives it to you or, you know, a friend of yours who's about to become maybe a former friend. No, you know, people, your mom, dad, brothers, sisters, they want to they be on the team. They want to see you succeed. And maybe they think they can make a billion dollars because everybody says they're going to make a billion dollars with their startup. They're going to be a unicorn, right? How many times have I heard that? And then, after you do that, you usually go out and build your minimum viable product, uh, which means something that kind of works, but is only the beginning. Then you go out to angels and many VCs, like the one I co-run, and you say, hey, now we need 25 grand a piece from all you guys, and we're going to build it out and scale it and yabba da da but you need to have some customers. You need to have a minimum viable product, which, like, if it's an app, you got to have the app produced. Nobody wants to invest in just an idea anymore, unless it's some guy who, you know, created Facebook or something. So <clears throat> that's the usual trick. You go from friends and families to angel seat. But there's another thing you can do called crowdfunding. And if you go out on a site called Fundopolis... Just Google Fundopolis. It's like Metropolis. F-U-N-D-O-P-O-L-I-S. You will see that there are people who do what's called crowdfunding. This is done under something called Regulation CF. That's Charlie Frank. And it allows you, let's say you want to start up a brew pub. Well, you can go out and do a, put a pitch out there. And for a small fee, these folks will set it up so that it complies with all the SEC regulations. And you can have your friends and family. Uh, it's kind of like GoFundMe, but it's you get instead of getting uh, you know whatever you get from GoFundMe, psychic income, I guess. You then get uh, in this case, you get actual shares of the company because the company I'm going to talk to you about is a company called HPEC.io. Okay. Now this is educational, so I'm just using this as an example. But this is one of the companies that's out on that Fundopolis site. So you can go out there and you can take a look at HPAC and there's other ones out there too. You can There's some guys there in the brewery and blah, 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 blah. But you can read the pitch and this one's a medical thing. And, uh, you know, the minimum is 250 and there's other ones that have lower minimums or no minimums. And crowdfunding then... Uh, gives you an opportunity to get something. Sometimes they just give you a, like a cupid doll or some trinket. Uh, but in this case, you actually get shares of the company, and uh, you go from there. So that's a way to do, I mean, let's face it, investments like this are kind of a lotto ticket. And it's a, you know, uh, it's a long shot, but you never know. I mean, you know, maybe Facebook would have done that, and boy... You would have been a happy guy if you invested in that. But, you know, I mean, it, but it allows you to do this it's at a much lower level than, say, an angel seed fund. Most angel investments that come to me are looking for a $25,000 minimum uh, at least. Whereas this, you know, in this particular case that I'm just using for educational purposes, um, you know, it's just 250 and this particular one is actually just looking for doctors. Uh, 
But it's, a, it's an interesting site, Fundopolis, and this is an interesting example of one of the funding deals that's out there. So uh, maybe we'll get the... There's a young doctor named Leah Houston, MD, who's an emergency doc and is uh, trying to change medicine and uh, restore the direct physician-patient relationship and cut out all the, all the blood suckers and middlemen and people who put profits before patients and get things back to where they were when I was a kid, you know, where you paid the pediatrician and he came to the house and that was it, you know. So uh, no Medicare, no Medicaid. Your hospital bill was like a index card. So, you know, she's trying to restore that. And I think that's a good thing because I think that since uh, we are about to see a change in administration, according to the betting markets on such things, I think Medicare for All is going to come down real fast and real hard. And the, the big question is whether or not we will end up with a British-style system or a Canadian. On the British-style system, and this is where I kind of stopped re- revolting and fighting to the death of the Medicare for All thing. In Britain... You have a pub national health service, which I'm sure everybody's heard about, and the British love it, you know. And uh, then you also have a uh, private market, which is much like our own system today. If you work for a company, they generally have a health plan, and you sign up, and they pay some of the premium, and I guess you pay some of the premium, and that allows you to see doctors and 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 hospitals that work based on a private uh, contract. So they get paid uh, like a normal fee-for-service type of doc here. And what that does is enable you to see certain docs that just aren't going to work for NHS or at NHS rates. And you get ahead of the queue, you know, if you want some kind of a, you know, like in this country, plastic surgery, that's not going to be covered by M4A. So, so this kind of enables you to, um, you know, use a, use it as a platform, this HPEC thing, to run that kind of a, of a, of a, of an operation. Now, the other way that it could happen is like Canada, where basically it is almost illegal to provide health care outside of the uh, Medicare system in Canada. They call their national health program socialized medicine. They call it uh, Medicare, just like our Medicare. The only thing they really have in common is the name. So, uh, you know, if that's the case, and I think the Canada can get away with it because you can always come down here for a safety valve if you want to get a hip replacement and you don't want to wait till it's done posthumously, then you can come down here and do it, and it's good quality and everything else. A lot of a lot of Canadians will go to Buffalo for something if they can't wait long enough to get it done in Canada. And in Canada, it's funded by the provincial governments, so you have varying levels of care depending on what state you're in. I don't think that's how our future holds, uh, because you know if you got Mississippi versus California, I don't think that's in this day and age now with the current zeitgeist for the political trends that are blowing the winds uh 
I think you're going to have a, a federal system. And I think that's probably right because only the feds can afford to do things that cannot possibly be sustained economically in the real world. And, you know, national health, socialized medicine is one of those kids, I'm telling you. Um, it's, it's really going to be an expensive thing. And, you know, if you do it right, actually... Uh, I don't mean to go on too much about healthcare, but that's an easy one for me. I speak native healthcare ease. And uh, basically, you've got the healthcare sector eating up about 20% of GDP in this country. Now, in other countries, it tends to be about 10. In addition, one way or another, uh, the government at all levels already picks up about 60% of the tab if you include the tax deductibility of health insurance, etc. So, uh, you know, in theory, if you can reduce the cost of health care from 20 to 10 and you put it all in the feds, then that uh, works out to what we're spending now. Okay? Because 6 times 20, 0.6 times 20 is what? About 10. And if you can do the whole deal for 10 with a single payer, then it wouldn't cost the feds any more money. Well, it would cost the feds money because you'd roll up all the... You know, it's ridiculous for the states to have to handle this Medicaid and long-term care for the impoverished and all that. Uh, you could roll up all the DOD into the Medicare program, all the CHAMPUS, which is the veterans' health care. I think it's retired veterans' health care. Uh, VA, Indian Health Service, you could roll all that up and basically have, quote, one standard of care for everybody in the United States just for being you, just for being a citizen, and perhaps just for being a resident of the United States. And the argument for that is going to be real simple, which is that in a viral era, and I don't mean digitally viral, I mean uh, COVID and uh, corona viral, you know, everybody's health is important. Now, most of that's public health. Wear a mask, stay away from me. Uh, but still, you know, that's the argument that will be used to get this done, and it'll be the whole anti-racist uh, Black Lives Matter thing, too. The argument will be that, um, you know, health care is part of the problem and results in all these issues in underprivileged communities. So, bingo, there you go. And if the House and the Senate and the White House end up uh, blue, and that's what they're going to do. And I don't think anybody has the uh, wherewithal or the moral ground to resist it. So that's, that's where we're headed, I think. And uh, in that kind of an environment, you know, you have to uh, play it, and you have to look for the opportunities, and I hope they will preserve a private sector that will be able to innovate, and I hope that you won't kill the goose that laid the golden egg. But we'll see. So anyway, I think this HPEC thing, if there is that private sector for doctors and patients to do what's called direct patient care, which is where I go to see you, and you're the doctor, and you say, okay, I'll do this uh, for this much money, then uh, that's great. 
so people of means can still have the means to the end of better health, and people without means can uh, get a certain level of care uh, that may not be, you know, male clinic level, but it's it's better than what they're getting now. So that's where we are at, and uh, I think I'm going to wrap it up at that point. I kind of rambled on healthcare, and I apologize for that, but it's a subject near and dear to my heart. And of course, there are funds that can. Uh, Invest in the biotech, and there's also uh, there's also ETFs out there where you can play that biotech sector. So, and you know what I'm not talking about, those of you who are longtime listeners. So anyway, uh, that's about it for today. Uh, live long, prosper, stay safe. Uh, seek Alpha, and hopefully ye shall find. And we'll talk at you tomorrow. Bye bye. <clears throat>